Today, let's ask God to speak as we continue a series in Ezekiel, seeing a difficult prophet at a difficult time, and yet God just speaking in good ways to his people to encourage and change our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask for you to speak. We do pray that you would be with Miss Brenda and, and John uh, and Gail and others as, as they are having their surgeries and others in this congregation uh, that, that are struggling uh, with their health even this week. We pray for those as they uh, have difficulties in their own health or with loved ones or their family. We pray for those that are away at college and our college students that are feeling the pressure in the middle of the semester. Uh, Lord, you sustain. Lord, you give strength. To those who are seeking new employment, looking for that new place, God, would you guide. We ask this all, knowing that you hear us and love us. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're looking at Ezekiel chapter 11 today, and it talks about the heart a lot. It talks about, well, having a unified heart. Sometimes there are things that just divide us, things that divide our attention. Some things are just kind of in the world. Did any of you football fans watch the game of the week last week? Yeah, there was a lot in the news, right, about <clears throat> a former quarterback returning to the Boston area, right, the New England former Tom, Br I don't, do we even speak his name? I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you like him or not like him, um, or the coach, I, I don't know if really speak his name too often either. Um, <clears throat> I didn't have much of a divide, it was in the news. Oh, the former quarterback that won all the Super Bowls is coming back to his team that he used to win all the Super Bowls for, and his former coach that won all the Super Bowls came, and now they're going to play against each other, and who's going to win? And the people of Massachusetts, the people of New England had divided loyalties. I'll tell you what, I had no problem. I don't like them both. I kept thinking, how could they both lose? Is there a way that we could, you know, they could both be dis just, just disqualify both teams? Could, you know, I, I, is there a way for them to both lose? I, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how that could happen. Well, there are obviously funny, regular life kind of things. But listen to what Psalm, the psalmist says in Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord that I might rely on your faithfulness or walk in your truth, going in the way of your provision. Teach me that way, O Lord. And then listen to that next phrase. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. Give me an undivided heart. I can pray that prayer. I've been praying it since I was, almost for 20-some years. That verse used to be the ones that we hung in, in the student uh, center at Syracuse University when we had the worship on campus. We, weren't a, they, we used their auditorium. Um, they didn't know. We put a little clear thumbtacks in the, in the wall so we could hang our banners up so that we could decorate it for worship. But those, that was the verse that was before us every week. Teach me your way that I might walk in your truth or your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. I've prayed it and prayed it and prayed it. But I can confess with you, my heart is often divided. I mean, it's 
a regular thing in my life. We have divided hearts over so many things that call for our attention. Some of us, it's that career versus family. You know that tension, right? I I want that time with my family. I want to invest because they're, they're my family. But then there's work over here that just keeps calling for my attention, wanting more from me, wanting more hours, wanting more time, wanting more things. As a younger minister, I made those mistakes. Vicky's looking at me like, uh, you still do. <laughs> Apparently, I had a meeting on Friday that called another minister, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I adjusted the time. I was like, you know, it would be better for me so I could spend time with my wife. I didn't tell him that's the reason, but I I cleared my schedule a little bit so I could meet with him later. Wasn't that a good decision? Come to find out later that he skipped a thing with his wife at the hospital to meet with me. I'm like, oh no. So I, he's much younger, so I made those bad choices when I was his age, and now I'm the reason he's making them now. Oh. We have tensions in our life, right? From all the responsibilities. Sometimes we just want to be with people, and sometimes the introverts among us, that's not me, sometimes the introverts among you, (laughs) you need time alone. But I could reach out to one more person. I could follow up on one person in the hospital. I could do more for my family. I could do more with some friends that I haven't seen in a while. And we feel that tension. Our hearts are divided. Some of us just need rest and recreation, things we enjoy. Maybe it's hiking or gardening or mountain biking. But we also need that, like, times of significance that are not just replenishing of us, but things that we feel like really matter. And, of course, the biggie, there's God and our desires. God and our desires. And I feel like I need to stop for a minute. Because there's some of those desires that aren't really like a true division. They aren't. For those of us when we're spiritually younger, I think, when we maybe have not walked with the Lord as long, we get in these sort of modes of like, God, you're my all. And so that means I need to clear everything out that might be an idol. I can remember doing that as a young high schooler. Um, The sermon was on giving everything to God. Don't let there be any idols in your life. There's not something else that you can love. Jim might have to give up the guitar. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) He's not giving that one up. I had a girlfriend that I really liked. Well, she'd become an idol. Got to get rid of her. So I broke up with Vicky. <laughs> Fortunately, she forgave me and, and it worked out. But I remember that, how stupid that was, right? There are things that God has given you as a calling, your family, uh, things of significance, places where you serve him, people that you're supposed to love. That, that's not an idol in your life, and it can be. But if it's in the right place, if that's part of the way I'm loving God by honoring my wife, honoring, you know, honoring those people, you know, that's not a divided heart. That's you being faithful to what God has called you to do. Loving your neighbor. Love, you know, th- th- that's not an idol. But there are things that do pull us away from God. The things that actually do become something of a pride issue or something that becomes a heart issue that is poison or something that just kind of moves us in a direction that is not godly. Those things still pull at our hearts. In fact, the Apostle Paul describes this in Romans 7. He says, 
we know that God's law is spiritual. But me, when I look at my heart, I'm unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I don't even understand it. I don't understand what I do. What I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I keep doing. In fact, he goes on. Look at the next verse. For I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me um, that does it. And so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. I know what I want. I want to serve God with all my heart. I know what I want. I want to be His. I know what I want. I want God to bring revival in this church, in this nation, in this world. I know what I want to see, and I know that it takes me having some devotion and saying, Lord, I'm cutting other things out of my life. I'm saying no to sin. I want to be Yours, Lord. I know that's what it takes. I know that's what I want. I know that deep down in my soul, But then there's some kind of little sparkly thing over here. Some little distraction over here. Some little, just being tired, and I think I'm going to go this way. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know what it is for you? The things that pull you away from the Lord. The things that reveal that we've got a divided heart. Here's the danger. When we're young, I think... I told you I just spent a, a, a weekend here uh, with some college students and uh, sharing God's word with them and praying. And I love those college retreats because those young adults are so passionate and they get passionate about God and they come before them and they're just, they're just eager to know the Lord. And they sang a song last night that really got to me. I don't know why they planned it, but I think they planned it for me. I know the Lord used it, but it just said, take me back. Take me back to that place where you're my first love. Take me back, Lord, to that place. Sometimes, boy, we just need to go back to that place of first love where we were devoted to Him. Because what happens sometimes for us, and I don't know if this has happened to you, but we've gone through those retreats so many times. I found myself going, how many college retreats have I been on? At this point, it might be over a hundred. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, I know that this is what we do on Saturday night. I know that this is how it goes. And I began to look at my heart and say, wait, am I passionate about being back with my first love? Or am I just giving up? This is just how it is. I just sort of, mm, the fire, maybe when we get older, isn't burned so bright anymore. We respond like some of my students are responding to um, the challenge of getting ready for their exam this week. There's a whole set of them that have kind of gone to the, uh, and you can flip to this next slide, they've kind of gone to the give up mode. Why can't this be open book again? Because you've got to learn some stuff. Why, why, why does this have to be so hard? Hey, could we just kind of, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I've even had the conversation with a few students. Am I going to make it? I don't know. And we just want to give up. That's where we come and we find ourselves in the book of Ezekiel. In chapter 11, as we go in our series, the people were ready to give up. And they actually became confused about what God was doing in their lives. 
Look at Ezekiel chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. It says, The Lord lifted me up. That's the prophet Ezekiel. And he brought me to the gate of the house of the Lord that faces east. Remember, Ezekiel was in exile with most of the people of God that the Babylonians had taken into captivity. They'd taken him away from Jerusalem. At this point, the temple was still there. It was about to be destroyed. At this point, Jerusalem was still there. It was about to be destroyed. God was going to bring final judgment. But Ezekiel and many of the people had been taken into exile into Babylon. God is bringing him in a vision back to his hometown, back to Jerusalem. And it says there at the entrance of the gate were 25 men. And I saw among them Jaazaniah, the son of Azur, and Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, leaders of the people. Don't miss that. It wasn't the young guys who were still there. Remember Daniel? Ezekiel, who was 30 years old. These younger men, these younger leaders had been taken into exile. It was us, the older leaders who got left behind, who were still there in, in, in Jerusalem, who were there at the temple. And God had a word for them. It said, Son of man, these are the men who are plotting evil and giving wicked advice to the city. They say, haven't our homes recently been rebuilt? And this city is a pot, and we are the meat in it. Weird phrase. Well, let's pull that apart for a second. It says that these leaders, these supposedly godly men, these supposedly godly leaders, these supposedly men of God who are supposed to be teaching the people, it says, no, 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 no. They're plotting evil, and they're giving wicked advice. Now, when I hear the term plotting evil, I start thinking of like some despicable me type of character. You know what I'm talking about? You know, one of these evil villains from the movies, you know, that's like, oh, how can I somehow take over the world? How can I somehow get my maniacal evil schemes to, to bear fruit in the world? That's not what these men were doing. But God calls it evil. They were giving wicked advice. But what was that advice? Well, I think the clue is in verse 3. They said, haven't our houses recently been rebuilt? Back it up for a second. Haven't the houses recently been rebuilt? No, go, go, go back, backwards. Yeah, there we go. Haven't the houses recently been rebuilt? And this city is the pot and we're the meat in it. Okay, destruction came. The Babylonians came. The Babylonians defeated them. The Babylonians took many of the people into exile and there was destruction all around. And the ones who were left... Put their houses back together. And they begin to say, you know, we're good. This is where we belong. This is a pot. What belongs in the pot? The meat. In fact, what gives the place its flavor? It's us. This is where God wants us, right here by his temple. This is what God wants in our lives. Just kind of to keep things back to the way they were, back to normal, nice and comfortable, just how we want it. Oh, we miss our friends. We miss the people who have gone. We miss what happened in the past. Yeah. But we're here. We're comfortable. We're satisfied. Things are good. Valley Baptist Church, that could be a temptation for us. Well, some people have moved on. 
but we're still here, and this is good, and this is just how it's going to be. This is our home. This is where we belong, and this is where we get stuck. This is where we get stuck. I put some pictures up here because often we identify, well, this is my team. This is what I'm familiar with. This is who I'm rooting for. Or if you see, there's a picture of, of the college students and uh, the Rupalts are out there and MJ and everybody are kind of having lunch last week. And uh, thank you for Alex and Sarah for making us hot dogs. Um, and, and so we were, you know, this is where we belong. This is our family. This is, this is our city. This is our spot. And we start to do that spiritually. This is where I am with God. This is just how it goes. I stopped seeking Him. I stopped seeking Him. I'm not doing anything different than I always do. And we get settled and stuck. We who get older, sometimes we just kind of say, this is my routine. This is my habit. I'm not going to do anything different. I'm good. I'm set in my ways. There is a danger in that. And God is confronting his people saying, no, (laughs) you're not going to be the meat. Look at the next verse, verse 11. He says, this city is not going to be a pot for you, nor will you be the meat in it. I am going to execute judgment on you at the borders of Israel. And you will know that I am the Lord, for you have not followed my decrees or kept my laws. But instead, you conform to the standards of of the nations around you. We've just said, this is good enough. This is how we're going to be. When instead, God's word is very clear. In Romans chapter 12, he calls us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So today, if you're going through some troubles... If we know our church has been struggling and we're praying for God to bring new people to join us here and to revive this congregation, let me give you this challenge. That in the difficulties, we need to know some things. Number one, we need to know God's purpose in the difficulties. In Romans 8.29, the Apostle Paul wants us to know the, the, the purpose that God has in every situation. We often quote the verse before it. That God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Here he defines the good. What is the good? The good that God has for you in all things, whether they are troubles in your life or good times in your life. Whether they are times of revival at a college retreat or whether they are times when you're like in despair over and crisis over, over the hurt in your family and worry about what the future is. In any of those things, God's plan is to do what? Look at verse 29. Those he foreknew, he predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son. Don't miss this. God's purpose in any and every situation in your life is that you would be changed and be looking more like Jesus. That you would be the person that responds with the faith like Jesus. That you would be the person that would respond with hope that Jesus knew that he had even going to the cross. That you would respond as one who is showing the love of God in what you're doing. And your perspective is being transformed and altered because all of us worry. (laughs) That's our natural state. All of us complain. That's our natural state. All of us try to control everything in our existence. That's our natural state. 
But God is calling us to be those that know. Step out in faith. God is calling us to those who are bold and trust. God is calling us to be those who hope even in the midst of extreme difficulties. God is calling us to be changed. Know God's purpose. Look what it says in Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, the people of Jerusalem have said to you of the fellow Israelites and their exiles, they are far away from the Lord. This land was given to us as our possession. And you're thinking, uh, what? How does that relate? The people, those leaders who stayed in Jerusalem had missed God's purpose for them. They had misunderstood what was going on. They were thinking, well, those that got sent away, they're being punished. God must be pleased with me. I'm still here. The temple's still here. We're all still good, right, God? You're content with where I'm at because I don't need to change, right? Okay. They thought they were the good ones. They thought they were the blessed ones. They were not. They were not. In Jeremiah, a contemporary prophet, he was telling them about a two baskets of figs. And he gave this vision to Jeremiah. There are two baskets of figs. He said, the one basket, they are really good figs. And the other basket, they aren't so good. He said they were so bad they couldn't be eaten. He uses that as a metaphor and says this. The word of the Lord came to me and said, This is what the God of Israel says. Like these good frigs, I regard as good the exiles from Judah, whom I sent away from this place to the land of the Babylonians. Keep going. Because then the word of the Lord came to me and said, um, My eyes will watch over them for their good. I will bring them back to this land. I'm going to build them up. I'm not going to tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. Verse 7. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God. And they will, for they will return to me with all their heart. The ones who have sent away... Those are the ones that I'm transforming. Those are the ones that I'm breaking down. I'm doing this for their good. I'm actually moving their hearts so that they will end up having a heart to know me. We see the difficulties often as, oh no, of course we don't want them. But they are the things that God is using to change us, to transform us. He has a purpose. We see the image, like good figs, and bad figs. <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. We've got a really great fig tree out here. It is actually, I'm, I'm telling you now that it's pretty much out of fig season because there's not many left. But Pastor Steve and I have been enjoying these things for quite a while now. I mean, if you ever get a chance, walk by and grab, a, grab, grab some figs off of our fig tree. They're, they're really sweet. They're really good. Hmm. I wonder if that's our reaction too. There's some really good things that God wants to do. But we're sitting over here thinking, I don't know. I don't know. I'm wallowing in my misery when God is wanting to finish his work. Know God's purpose. But there's another thing I want you to know today from this passage. I want you to know his presence. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3.16, it says that don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? That God's spirit dwells in your midst. 
As believers in Jesus Christ, we have the promise that God is with us, that He is always with us, that His Holy Spirit has come and regenerated us and made us into a new creation. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God's Spirit is with you. We don't take God's Spirit into wrong places because God is with us. He has called us to be His. In Ezekiel chapter 11, the same sentiment is given. It says, therefore, say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I, though I, although I sent them far away among the nations, although I scattered them among the countries, yet for a little while, while I've been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. He has been this sanctuary. He has been this place of worship. He has been this place that He is going to protect them and transform them. God went with His people even through the difficult times. Jesus promised that He would never leave us or forsake us. And sometimes we get to that point where we think, Oh no, the Lord is not hearing my prayers. Oh no, God is not with us. Where can you be? Why have you left me, O Lord? God is with us. It's why Christians, even today, all the way through the ages, seem to resonate with that, that, well, that old poem. You remember the footprints one? Two sets of footprints in the sand, and then there's only one, and we're thinking, where'd God go? It was, he was carrying us through. He was finishing our work. Don't be mistaken. God's presence is with you. These may be difficult times for this church or difficult days in your life, but His presence never leaves or never forsakes you. We need to be the first to be remembering His presence through our prayers, going, God, strengthen me. God, help me. God, get me through. Finally today, I want you to know God's promise. I want you to know God's promise. And I want you to embrace this one. If we skip all the way to chapter 36, uh, it echoes this theme. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give to you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is the promise that echoes through the book of Ezekiel that we are not stuck. Well, we may feel stuck. But God's Spirit wants to do something different in your life. Look what it says in chapter 11. They will return and they're going to remove all of its vile images from Jerusalem and all of those detestable idols. I will give them, and there's the word, an undivided heart. They, and I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them heart of flesh. You know, this message is one that I don't know where it catches you. Maybe you've been just feeling pulled in too many directions and you just need to remember that God is working in your life right now. He is working to finish His purpose in you. Maybe you've just felt abandoned. You're just like, I don't know what's going on. I am overwhelmed. I am depleted. I've got nothing. And you need to hear today. God is your sanctuary. He dwells within you. He is with you in these storms, in these difficulties. He doesn't leave his people. 
I like Psalm 9:10. Those who know your name will trust in you because you, O Lord, have never forsaken those who seek your face. It just didn't happen. It's not starting with you. Our God is faithful. Or maybe today, and this is the one that I got to be honest, is the scary one for me. I just need to hear that the Lord's Spirit wants to revive my heart, my divided heart, that He wants to bring me back into a unity, that I am pursuing Him, seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and letting all of the other things be added as well. What's God's message to you today? If you don't have a church home, Maybe he's inviting you to come be part of this place with this people in a time of revival. We invite you to come. Some of you may not know Jesus. And if you have never said yes to him, maybe today is the day you say yes. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. And for some of you, maybe things have just gotten stuck. You think you're meeting the pot. But God's going to dump that one out, clean us out, and make us into something new. Would you say, yes, Lord, have your way in me? Let's pray together. I'll be down front, and you come and respond. If God is calling you to maybe be a part of this church, or if you just need to come for prayer, you come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for giving us an undivided heart. Thank you for calling us back and reviving our souls. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, our Savior and King. Amen.